TorahCafe.com. Rosh Hashanah is a time when the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve. And on that day, God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And God said to Adam and Eve that he wants us, he, he wants them to be in the garden. And in that garden, he should do two things. He should guard the garden and he should plant in the garden. Those were the two things that God wanted from Adam and Eve. What does it mean to guard the garden and what does it mean to plant in the garden? To guard the garden means simply that we are going to ensure that the garden is not filled with weeds, that the garden has space in which to grow. That's number one. To guard the garden, to keep it clean, to keep it efficient, and to pull all the weeds. And then separately, once you have a clean garden, then you have to plant seeds. When you plant seeds, now you have an opportunity to start growing a garden. And this has everything to do with the way God decides for Adam and Eve to live their life, which teaches us how we are meant to live our life. So as we approach Rosh Hashanah, entering into the month of Elul, the last month of the year, with one month left to take stock of the year that's passed and prepare for the year that's coming, it's a good idea to do some gardening in our own lives. The whole of the world is a garden. What's the difference between a garden and an overgrown tumbleweed of a yard? The difference is that a garden is full of beautiful seeds that have sprouted and grown into flowers and plants and trees. And a yard that's not looked after is filled with weeds. What is the difference between a, a tree and a weed? Well, on the surface, they kind of look similar. Both have a bark, both have a trunk, both have branches, both have leaves, and sometimes weeds even grow some kind of fruit, whether they're edible or not edible, but there's something that grows. If you think about it, on the surface, it's hard to tell whether something's a weed or something's a tree, a planted plant and planted tree. But there is a critical difference when you stop and think about it. The critical difference is, what is the purpose? The purpose of the tree is the fruit. And everything else is just support for the fruit that's going to grow. With a weed, it's the very opposite. The purpose is the weed. If a fruit grows, that's an afterthought. The weed is just about growing and taking over your yard. If you're not going to control it, then more weeds will pop out and another weed and another weed. And it's all about filling your yard with a mess. In life, we can either turn our life into a beautiful garden or we can let our life be overgrown with weeds. What do I mean by that? So I'm gonna use the example of a student in school and I'll tell you why. The very first time I presented on this subject, I was talking to a group of eighth graders in our local day school here at the London Community Hebrew Day School. 
And the ideas were so well accepted by the children that it made me stop and think, if children understand this, then how much more compelling will it be for adults? And I started sharing this with adults. So I'm gonna use the same examples I used for the children. I said to them, you wake up in the morning, you have to pull yourself out of bed. It takes a certain amount of energy. You'd rather stay in bed, especially on a cold and wintry day. Maybe you went to sleep late last night and you have a headache and you're too young to drink coffee. So you have to really pull it together all by yourself. It takes a lot of energy. Then you have to find your way to getting dressed, to washing up, and to getting out in the morning so that you can have your breakfast. Make sure that you finished your homework from last night. And then your parents will put you in the car and drive you to school. It takes 10, 15 minutes to get to school, whatever it takes. That's the amount of time. That's a lot of time. Now, I ask you a question. Did you wake up so that you can get up and brush your teeth? No, that was not the purpose of your day. Did you wake up so that you can eat breakfast? No, that was not the purpose of your day. Did you wake up so that you could get in the car and go for a nice ride through the snowy streets on this cold, blustery morning for 15 minutes? No, that too was not the purpose of your day. Well, then what was the purpose? We didn't arrive, I didn't, didn't arrive at the purpose yet, did we? Okay, so let's see what happens next. So you get to school and you have a few minutes before class begins and you're greeting your friends and you're saying hello. This was before COVID, so you're not wearing a mask. You get to say hi, you're catching up for the night that's passed, for the last few hours since you've seen them at dismissal yesterday. Is that the purpose of the day? Well, granted, it's a pleasurable part of the day. It's a lot nicer than when the teacher comes in and starts class and you have to sit down and pay attention, but that's not why you woke up. It wasn't so that you can hang out with your friends. Then your teacher tells you to pull out your books and you start First, you start your prayers. You start your davening. You go through your davening for 10, 15, 30, 40 minutes, depending on your age. And then you get to your studies. Did you wake up to pray? Okay, maybe. But you could have prayed at home, so you didn't have to come to school to pray. So you couldn't say that you woke up and you did everything so that you could pray. Your teacher starts teaching, right? For the most part, your teacher first has to make sure you did your homework last night, collect your homework, review your homework. Then your teacher needs to review everything that you learned yesterday so that she knows you're fresh and ready to get on with the next lesson. All fine and good till this point. But that's not why you woke up. You already did your homework yesterday. You already learned your lesson yesterday. That's not why you got up this morning. After all this was done, your teacher can take five to 10 minutes to present the new information for today's lesson plan. Your teacher doesn't have much more time than that because your class is only 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and you've already spent 20 minutes on reviewing. And don't forget, after she presents the new information, your teacher's then gonna have to explain, back up, review, repeat, set you up for the next day, give you homework. You're gonna have five or 10 minutes max in which you're going to learn something new. Of that five or 10 minutes, you're probably gonna know maybe three or four of minutes worth of information your teacher will share. So of the entire hour, you're probably going to learn something new for maybe four to seven minutes. That's it. 
to seven minutes. After that, your teacher's gonna wrap up the class and you're gonna go out to recess. Well, you didn't wake up so you can wrap up the class and get new assignments for homework tomorrow night. You didn't wake up to go out to recess. You didn't wake up so that you could have lunch. You didn't wake up so that you can get picked up by your parents and driven back home. You didn't wake up so that you can do your homework and your assignments and so that you can have your after school enjoyment and fun. You didn't wake up to eat dinner. You didn't wake up to have a bath or a shower. You didn't wake up to get into pajamas or go to sleep. So what did you wake up for? In total, you woke up to learn new information for maybe five minutes in your day. That was the entire purpose of your day. Everything else around your day, all of it, all of it was just simply support and framework and context to ensure that when those five minutes struck, you would be honed and ready and able to take advantage of it. That's a critical piece of information because the entire day surrounds only five minutes. The rest of the day is just trunk and branch and leaf and, and bark. And there's only five minutes worth of fruit. Think about that. Now, will you be a tree or will you be a weed? A weed is someone who sleeps through those five minutes and makes their way through the whole entire day, enjoying parts of it, not enjoying other parts of it. But at the end of the day, when they look back, they cannot tell you what their day was all about, what it was for. What was the central purpose of the day? What fruit did my day produce today? You know why? Because when the fruit was growing, you were asleep at the wheel. You were focused just on the day. You were a weed, you weren't a tree. If you were a tree, you would have been aware all along that you're preparing for those five minutes. And when the five minutes came, you would be primed and ready and rearing to go. You would take full advantage of those moments and the rest of the day you'd know that you're just winding down so that tomorrow you can get back up there and have five more minutes. That's what it means to be a tree instead of being a seed. And it's critical. It's critical because we need to take time in our day and figure out what are our seeds? What is the purpose of my day? What is the purpose of my life? What was the purpose of my year? Stop and think about this. Think about it in terms of life. You went through your infancy. That's not why you were created, so that you can be an infant and you can scream and shout and howl every time you wanted something and have an army of people around you ready to provide for you and service you. That's not why you were born. So you went through your adult, you went through your childhood. You went through your terrible twos, you went through your childhood, you went through school, and that's not why you were born. Then you got into your adulthood. You got your degree or you started your career and you worked your way through it. Now you're working your way through it. And what is the purpose of it all? So is the purpose so that you can find financial stability? So if that's the purpose, then what's the purpose for having financial stability? What is it for? What is it all about? Is the purpose so that you can have children and raise them? 
then what is the purpose of having children? What is their purpose? Is it so that they can go through the same cycle that you went through and ultimately be well off enough so that they can have children and the cycle continues? What's the purpose of it all? Where is the seed of our entire life? That, that moment that makes the entire day worthwhile, the entire life worthwhile. This is an important reflection for us to engage in as we get into the month of Elul and the preparation for Rosh Hashanah. What was the seed of my year? What did I accomplish this year? What was that shining moment at the top of the tree that made the entire tree beautiful? Because I want to identify it, I want to package it, and I want to look for it next year. It might be the same seed next year, it might be some other seed. The Baal Shem Tov once talked, a Jew can be in this world for 70 or 80 years. And that means that the neshama has to make this journey from the heavens above all the way down to the earth below. And that's a very long journey. You think it takes a long time to travel from Sydney, Australia to, say, New York? That's nothing compared to how long the neshama needs to travel when it's time for us to be born. From the heights of the heavens to the pits of the earth. And here the neshama spent 70, 80, maybe 90 years. And it could be all for the purpose of doing a single favor to a Jewish person when the time comes. All those 80 years, all surrounding and centered around one seed. Imagine that time arrived and you actually were asleep at the helm and you let it pass. You say to yourself, 80 years down the drain, what's my life for? You don't want these moments to pass you by because you never know which moment is the moment. In retrospect, you might, but in the moment, you don't know it. And the reflection for this month of Elul is to ask ourselves, did I take advantage of every seed that came my way? Because every time I took advantage of the seed, the entire day, the entire week, the entire month became purposeful. I've mentioned this before, and I'll say it again because it fits. We think that we put up a mezuzah because we have a house. And that's so wrong, it's not true. We have a house so that we can put up a mezuzah. The entire house with all the walls and all the draperies and all the furniture, the ceiling, the floor, the piping, the plumbing, the wiring, the electricity, everything. All so that I can have a small little scroll affixed to the side of my doorpost on the right side as I enter. And if I put up that mezuzah, the entire home becomes purposeful. It comes alive. It's real. And if I don't have a mezuzah, then in that moment, I've decided that my entire house is a weed. It doesn't serve the purpose. It's not a seed. It's not a tree. It's not purposeful. Our sages tell us that a tzaddik, a righteous person, is like a tree, and the fruit of the tzaddik are their good deeds. And so let's count up the fruit of the year that's passed and figure out how many of them are there? And do they justify the whole year that has passed? And if they don't, 
Now let's put a plan in place for how we'll make it work next year. Understanding our goal really helps us chart our course. One day, Reb Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev stopped a man on the street who was always rushing. We all know such people. They could never stop rushing. It seems as if they were born five minutes late. Wherever they go, they're just rushing. They're always a little bit late and they're rushing again. And he says to him, Reb Yid, Reb Yid, calm down a little bit. Why are you rushing so much? What are you chasing? So the Jew looks at him and says, Rebbe, I'm chasing success. And Reb Levit says to him, how do you know success is ahead of you? Maybe you've left success behind you and you're rushing away from it rather than toward it. What is Reb Levit talking about? I believe Reb Levit is talking about the same thing we're talking about. He asked him, is your day a headlong rush to ensure that every part of the weed is in place, is intact? Or is your day the kind of day in which you are filling it with seeds? What are you rushing for? When Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai spent 13 years in a cave studying Torah with his son, Rabbi Lazar, they stepped out after 12 of those years and they couldn't believe what they saw. They saw people spending their time planting seeds, growing crops, bringing home harvests, and maybe spending an hour or a few minutes studying Torah. And they said to themselves, how can they invest so much energy in the transient part of life and totally neglect the eternal part of life? And then they went back into the cave for another 12 months. And when they came out after the 13th year, they somehow managed to reconcile this conundrum. And they realized, you know what? If a person spends the entire day working in the fields so that they can come home and study Torah at night or do a mitzvah, then the entire day is purposeful because it's centered around the mitzvah. It enables that mitzvah to happen. Without the framework and the context of the day, you wouldn't be in school and ready with your books open in front of the teacher when your teacher was teaching for five minutes. It takes an entire day to be available, to be there in the moment and ready and primed when that mitzvah opportunity comes along. So they managed to reconcile. And Rabbi Shimon said to his son, Rabbi Lazar, you know what? It'll be enough for the world that you and I We'll spend our entire day studying Torah. For the rest of the people, it's okay for them to spend the entire day doing other things that service and support and create the structure within which they can have those special moments. But the key is to know what our day is leading towards, to make sure that we are in fact a seed and that we're not at all a weed. That's key. That's important. Now, you might say to yourself, is it worthwhile to spend the entire day doing just almost nothing, pretty much nothing, and only having a moment of a seed ready to go whenever the, whenever the opportunity strikes? Well, the reality is that's life. If you think about it, how long does it take to prepare a really nice gourmet, say, four-course dinner? You might actually work on it the bulk of your day, the better half of your day. 
In fact, it'll take up time the day before when you go to the stores, especially the specialty stores to get the specialty ingredients to make the perfect gourmet dishes you wanna make for dinner. And it'll even take up time two days earlier when you're planning your menu and you're putting out your ingredient list and you're figuring out when you're gonna do what. By the time you're ready to sit down and eat dinner, you might have easily invested 15 hours in preparing this dinner. How long will it take you to actually eat it? Maybe 30 minutes? If you have friends and company and camaraderie, okay, so then maybe you'll spend three hours. But those are three hours that you could spend without food. The food part, the eating part, will take maybe 30 minutes. You can't eat for longer than 30 minutes. You'll go bust. Is it worthwhile spending 15 hours to eat for 30 minutes? The answer is absolutely yes. That's what it takes. Reminds me of a story. A plumber once was called to a home. There was a machine, there was the, the uh, furnace was banging and the house lady didn't know what to do. So she called the plumber and the plumber comes out, comes down into the basement. He takes one look at the furnace, pulls out from his bag a little screw and he screws it in and then the banging goes away. He turns around and he says, that'll be $200, please. She says, $200 just to turn in a screw? He says, no, no, no. A uh, it's, it's $1 for the screw. It's $199 to know where to put that screw. So think about it. This plumber, he spent years and years developing and learning and gaining experience. He might've gone to school and he might've studied and gotten a degree all so that he could know where to place that screw when the time comes. That's the seed that makes the entire school time purposeful. All the experience comes to fruition in this moment. Is it worth taking hours and months and years off his life just to learn where to place that one screw? Absolutely, because that's his career. That's why he can charge you $200 and I can only charge you $1 to put in the same screw. It takes a lot of time to set up a gourmet meal. It takes a lot of time to develop expertise to know where to put that screw in and get it right. It takes a lot of time to set up your day so that your seed can be a right, correct seed and be done correctly. Gourmet meals can take 15 hours to prepare. How long does it take to make a tuxedo? If you hire a, a, um, a tailor to make a custom-made tuxedo for a wedding that you want to attend, and the tailor labors over it for weeks on end, three weeks, four weeks, and then when you finally arrive, you have your tux ready to go. You're going to wear it for four hours. That's it. Special wedding, special tuxedo. It took the tailor four weeks so that you can look your best for four hours. If the tailor would have only worked on it for two hours, you would have looked like a schlump at the wedding. It wouldn't be worth your time. Yes, if you want to get something done right, it takes a long time to prepare. Well, think about a wedding itself. How many hours? And how many days and how many months and how many dollars were invested in preparing this wedding? I mean, goodness, it was months of preparation and planning. It was hours of sending out invitations and collecting responses and, give, and procuring the vendors and making sure the schedule was up and making sure everyone had their gowns and their tuxedos and their suits and their ties. 
and making sure the caterer was all set up and you had your tasting and you had your rehearsal. And finally, the night comes and your, and your guests arrive and you have a beautiful wedding. Why? Because you spent all that time preparing. So when the wedding comes, you're primed, you're prepared, and it'll be beautiful. That's our day. Our day is a garden, even if only one fruit grows, as long as we structure the day around that fruit. So let's take a simple example. Suppose you're at work and during the day you have a job to do. You have to do it because the Torah requires that if you're going to collect the salary, you better put in an honest day of work. But your employer is a nice person, so your employer gives you 30 minutes for lunch. Doesn't take you 30 minutes to eat a simple lunch, takes you 30 minutes to eat, to eat your gourmet meal. But a simple snack, a simple sandwich you can eat in seven minutes. And so now you have 23 minutes to do what with? Are you gonna kill those 23 minutes? Or are you gonna fill those 23 minutes? Because those 23 minutes can either be your seed or they can be your weed. Your day can be a garden because you use those 23 minutes to do something special. You had the time, you had nothing else to do. Your employer told you, go take it off. Take off some time now, rest, relax. What are you gonna do with it? You can pull up your, pull on your, on your phone, you can pull up a Torah essay and you can study it. You can go outside and you can do something nice for the homeless person on the corner. You can fill those 23 minutes with a seed or you can kill those 23 minutes like a weed. Are you gonna fill it or kill it? Is it gonna make your day or break your day? Because if you went your entire day without a single fruit, that's a broken day. And that's a probing question to ask ourselves. In his book, Seven Habits of Most Successful People, Stephen Covey talks about the difference between managers and leaders. And he says something really interesting. Managers, they know how to do it right. And leaders, they figure out how to do the right thing. And he gives an example. He says, suppose you had a group of people hacking their way through a forest to get out to the other side. The manager, he's making sure that you're felling trees, you're hacking your way through and you have a nice beautiful road right through the forest. The leader takes the time to climb one of those trees before they get hacked to check if we're hacking the road in the right direction. And when the leader calls down and says to the manager, hey, manager, we're going the wrong way. Go that way. The manager looks back and says, don't bother me. We're making such good progress. Why should we change that way? The easier trees to fell are this way. That way is harder. The manager can do it right, but the leader does the right thing. Let's make sure in our coming year that we are not managing our time, but we're leading our time. And that is a powerful way of reflecting on the year that's passed and preparing for the year that's going to come during this month of Elul. Honestly, how did I spend the year that passed? 
the truth is this is a unique year because ever since March, we've spent a lot of time at home. It's only recently here in Ontario, at least, that the economy opened up and that we could get out. But we spent a lot of time at home. Did we use that time well? Or did we watch lots of reruns and waste a lot of our time? Did we have any particular projects that we decided to take on and we saw it through to its completion because we had time? Did we turn those months into seeds and trees? Or did we allow them to just become weeds and clutter up our year? And the truth of the matter is that there's hardly anyone in the world that has a definitive answer to that. Ever since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, the world has been a mix of good and bad. Until Mashiach comes, we won't have perfectly good things and perfectly bad things. We'll have an amalgam of good and bad. And the same is true of our year. The year that's passed is a year that's got some good in it and some bad in it. And the difference is really whether it has more good or more bad. As Maimonides Rambam says, when God weighs the actions of our year, he doesn't look to see if we had only good deeds. He just looks to see which do we have more of. And not more in quantity, but more in quality. Because Maimonides explains, sometimes a single good deed can outweigh many bad deeds, and sometimes a single bad deed can outweigh many good deeds. So the key being, do we have more of a focus on seeds than on weeds? Do we look forward to the time that we can kick back and just watch the latest rerun or watch the news or play our game or engage in our hobby? Or do we look forward to the time in our day when we can be productive and accomplish something unique that we didn't accomplish yesterday and we might not accomplish tomorrow? That's not so much a question of what we did. It's more a question of where is our mindset? What's our mindset? And if it requires some tinkering, if it requires some adjustment, that's what the month of Elul is for. God is present in the month of Elul. God is waiting to hear from us. He's waiting for us to crank up our engine. I don't know if you remember when we were children, you wanted to crank up the lawnmower, you had to pull the string, right? You had to pull it really hard and pull it again and pull it again. And if you were like me, you had to pull it 25 times before you got lucky and it worked. Or you were unlucky and you had to go to your older brother and say, can you do it for me? So for us, the question is, as we're cranking up our, and our engine, God's looking down and saying, I just want you to pull that string. And the moment you pull it in the month of Elul, I'll make the engine crank up for you. Start paying attention to where our minds are what we're thinking about, what we're looking forward to, what, what do we look forward to in our day? What's the highlight of our day? And is it consistent with the seed of our day? If the highlight of my day is dinner, then something's wrong with the way I, 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 I go, go about my life. Think back, it's now the end of the day. Think back to the day that's passed and say, what stood out for me today? What was my highlight? And then contrast that with what was my most productive moment? And is my highlight my most productive moment? If it's not, then how can I adapt? How can I recalibrate so that in the future, I don't miss any of those seed moments and they're all productive? If we do that, 
our lives will be beautiful gardens. They'll stop being overgrown yards filled with weeds. They'll be gorgeous, beautiful gardens with gorgeous flower beds. And they'll have trees that'll grow. They'll be, they'll be wonderful lemon trees and orange groves. And there'll be beautiful roses and hydrangeas. It will be a fabulous, fantastic garden, beautifully landscaped. And like every garden, the beauty is not in every section of the garden. The beauty is the symmetry of the garden and the way it leads you to those beautiful flowers in the middle. Let's turn our day into a garden. Let's turn our week into a garden. Let's turn our month into a garden. Let's turn our year into a garden. And in turn, may Hashem shower us not only with a successful month of Elul, but a successful year, the year 5,781. And may this year come without any COVID, without any virus, without any disease. Our lives are busy enough without it. May Hashem instead fill this year with an unending stream of bracha, of blessing, to the point that so much of it is flowing that our lips wear thin, as the prophet said, from saying enough, enough, enough. Amen. Shana Tova, everyone. And I hope this is going to be a wonderful, good new year.